Hey, before you hang up, say this. Sure. This is Steve Pavlina, and you're listening to Vroom Vroom Veer. Do you want me to say it like that? <laughs> you say it, say it how Steve says it. Okay. This is Steve Pavlina, and you are listening to Vroom Vroom Veer. Perfect. Good. There Thanks, you go. brother. Later. Okay. All right. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Are you ready to thoughtfully steer away from your revved up, frenzied, and far too often scripted life? Then welcome to Vroom Vroom Veer with Jeff Smith, where he guides you down the road differently traveled by sharing unique experiences with guests who have managed to shift away from a life stuck on cruise control and veered their way into a more authentic and fulfilling one in all sorts of interesting and kind of remarkable ways. Get ready to Vroom Vroom Veer with your differently traveled road chauffeur, Jeff Smith. John Harrison, thank you so much for being on Vroom Vroom Veer and welcome welcome to the show. Jeff, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. So we're both gamer geeks and uh, that's what you like to talk about. So let's get into it. Uh, I was telling you on my pre-show chat that I was I got scared for a little bit because you had played a bunch of games that I hadn't. Uh, And then and then I found Half-Life 2 on your list and I was happy. Yes. Yeah. Probably when and when is Half Life Three coming out? Right? Yeah, or maybe Half Life Two, Episode Three, whatever. Yeah, whatever you want to call it. Actually, as of this episode, you just confirmed it. It's coming out. There, Half Life Three confirmed. <laughs> you heard it here first. This is the official announcement. Tell Gabe Newell to suck it. <laughs> Man, I, I've quit that game. I think everybody else has. Now it's just a joke. <laughs> yes, unfortunately. I know. Uh, but and the but you know what? This won't so mean cool. as much to you because this is more on the console side of things. Okay. But they finally announced the Final Fantasy VII remake, which right. okay. was also another piece of vaporware. Uh, that's you know, if they're going to announce that and that's going forward, um, I see no reason why Half-Life 3 can't come out in the next 10 years. That's one of my, uh, one of my games that I might give another chance. Um, because a buddy of mine said it was a really good story and I'm, I really like stories. I just couldn't get over, you know, the, the constant bashing, you know, that was just (laughs) not fun to me. (laughs) Well, so you know what, there's a solution for you. Oh, and this is what I'm going to tell you is going to be slight heresy to some, Sure, but you know what? It's about the experience, right? Yeah. So they made a port of final fantasy seven for the, um, for the iDevices, the iPhones and and the iPad. Okay. Um, it's it's just a couple bucks, real you know. It's pretty cheap, it's like cheap. ten, fifteen bucks. Right. Um, but what they added to it is two features. One of them is a max stat button, where you basically press this button. <laughs> everyone's level ninety nine, max <laughs> HP, max max magic. Just yeah. level them up. God mode. You're almost invincible. Yeah. And then there's another button that turns off the random enemy encounters, so you can basically just play through the game, never hit these random enemies face off against the major bosses and slaughter them without even trying. Right. And, uh, you know, get to explore and take your time. And, and, and it's also, you know, it's on the phone. So it, right. you can so pick you it can up, play it a little bit, you, yeah. put it aside. And, you know, so mm. it, it's not a bad port. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a pretty fair way to experience the game if you don't mind it being a little butchered. Yeah, it, it's, it's cheaty, but, you know. It, it is, but if you've never seen it, it's not bad. It's not a bad way to go. Okay. Yeah, you know, I have cheated on games, but usually after the first run through. 
You know, it's like, okay, I've suffered now, and now I'm just playing to play through it again, and I don't care if I cheat. <laughs> I think we've all done that. But yeah. I don't want to well, cheat you know, on the first go, you know? Yeah, well, it gets easier the older you get and the more you've got going on. <laughs> yeah. So once oh, yeah. you have kids, you get right. a wife, you get a job, you right. get some of this other stuff in there. It's like, you know what? I want to sit down. I want to enjoy the game. I don't want to level grind. I right. don't want to have to hunt this random stuff. Give me the FAQ. <laughs> <laughs> I'm big enough to admit. I'll do a read through of the game. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, you know, and, and one game I played, uh, you probably aren't familiar with this one, but I really like the game. Um, but it was on Xbox 360. It was called The Force Unleashed. It was a Star Wars game. Oh, yeah. 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 It was a really a fun cool game. game. Yeah. It was a, I mean, just the being able to throw stormtroopers around was awesome, you know? And yeah. you get to yeah, play so as Darth Vader. I, I think the purist would probably argue with, like, the canon and the effect of the story. There was a lot that was there kind of fudged with. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. But the actual experience of being able to use force powers yes. and, and throw your lightsaber like a boomerang and uh, just, it it's, it's cool. It was it's fun. It's just fun. Yeah. But it, I got to this, you know, right, uh, right as you're about to, you kill this big monster made of garbage. Mm-hmm. And then you had to make this jump, right? And I could never make the jump. I had no, I was so retarded, sorry, um, what challenged with the with the controller for the Xbox because I grew up on PC games. I had no idea what people were doing. So I was getting on YouTube. I was like, I was like, how did they do that? <laughs> the answer is really easy for that one. Yeah, I figured it out eventually. You use the force. Yeah. <laughs> Well said. Well said. Okay, well, let's before we get too deep into geekdom here, let's talk a little bit about you and your stuff. Yeah. So, you are an author uh, of Mastering the Game: What Video Games Can Teach Us About Success in Life, and that's available in paperback and on Kindle. So, that's cool. So, tell us a little bit about that book. Ah, yeah, absolutely. So, this is uh, kind of the collection here of some of the thoughts I have and, uh, you know, the subtitle, what video games can teach us about success in life gives a little hint of where I'm going with it. Sure. Uh, I, I wrestle with some questions early on. I confront some of the stereotypes that those of us who grew up when we did, we, we heard that games were a waste of time. Uh, some of us had parents who told us they would rot your brains or, you know, do other horrible things to you. Um, there's that narrative out there that video games uh, correlate to violence, uh, which is funny as a lot of people think that is a newer argument. That argument came out from the very beginning. Right. Oh, yeah. uh, I remember that. You yeah. know, that was there, there was, about the there was same a race time car that, game. That I'm sorry, was like uh, going to lead to uh, yeah. devil worship, you know, right. Same period. Right. So you're yeah. down in a basement <laughs> and you're, you're summoning right. demons. And, right. and then when you're not doing that, right. you're, you're driving around stickmen in a car, you know, playing death race and you're running over these stickmen and that's going to somehow lead to, right. you know, this that's kind of make violence. You kill puppies. <laughs> yeah. And, and so that or worse, no one's ever really fact checked it well enough uh, in terms of like the media. They just kind of jumped to this idea that, that it exists. And then they try to cite these horrible, terrible things that have happened where you have these events where people have done just bad, bad, violent things. And then they say, well, you know, we went into his room and we found video games. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, what kid who's, you know, 18, 20 years old doesn't have video right. games in their room. Right. Like that's the one you have to look out for. Like, you know. <laughs> 
So it's like, well, we also found he breathed oxygen. That's also a concern. So <laughs> right, that but, leads to but violence. I, I can, well, it's hey, one hundred percent of people who commit violent acts at oxygen. one point breathed air. That's true. With lungs, you're right. Uh, so, so I, I I deal with some of those. I don't spend a lot of time there because that's not very interesting to me. It's kind of boring. I'm over it. Um, I'm also over trying to prove that video games are art or, you know, try to debate whether or not they have value. I just jump straight to showing you how they do have value. Oh, totally. Uh, right. Because I, I don't need to make that case. Um, it's going to show up and, and that's what I do in my book is I say, okay, so let's look at some of the underlying principles, things you have to do to be successful in video games, right? Sure. Uh, yeah. you, you have to be persistent. Uh, you have to Tenacious, have a creative right? problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Grit, as they like to call it in the academic world. There you go. Um, the, you have to have problem-solving abilities. And some people say, oh, yeah, well, people can go online and, and download a strategy guide. Well, guess what? Getting online and downloading a strategy <laughs> guide is problem-solving. <laughs> it's problem-solving. It's That's not right. always knowing the answer. It's knowing where to look. And Amen. I think I heard that in some college classes. Amen. And, and so the experience of it is very social which anyone who's ever played a game knows that. I write a whole chapter called Who's Your Player 2? And in that and in that chapter I look at, you know, who do you mentor? Who is your mentor? Who is the peer who goes alongside you? And I dissect it using games and that how you play games with other people reflects real relationships you have and and to be intentional about those. And and we go through some of the qualities that make for a good mentor, that make for a good peer, that make for a good relationship where you are the mentor. And and so I find that there's really this model of uh, these universal principles within games. And those of us who have played enough games have had experiences growing up where we can relate. It's not just nostalgia. Some of it truly was ways we've either learned new vocabulary or thought about the world in a different way. And so I really wanted to exploit that. And that's that's what I've set out to do with this book. Um, and, and so I, I think I've managed to to get off to a good start. Yeah. So did you get into some of the stories of particular games in the book? Yeah, absolutely. This okay. is really written for, for people who are gamers. Good. Uh, this is written for, you know, because I actually use a lot of video game analogy. Mm-hmm. So I, I talk about how Street Fighter can teach you to leverage your strengths and focus on what you do well. I talk about how Tetris can teach you how to manage your time oh, yeah. better yeah, yeah. or or how Joust can teach you about the value of a sense of urgency. You know, these are these oh, are yeah. hidden within the games. Um, and, and so pretty much I, I cover a lot of older games. Uh, you know, you mentioned some PC stuff. I loved Maniac Mansion, one of the early point-and-click games. Same, same sort of ideas like Space Quest or King's Quest or, uh, you know, Secret of Monkey Island. These point-and-click games. Yeah. I use even those as, uh, as examples of how you build a team and what different roles individuals take within a team. Uh, and and so I mean I, I I roll up my sleeves and get pretty dirty into video game lore and mythology, uh, so as a result it's kind of inaccessible to some people. So if someone picked it up and and doesn't know anything about video games, right? Uh, they'll see the underlying ideas. Right. You know they I talk about be nostalgic about anything, right? Right. Well, I mean, some of the analogy won't make sense. Right. If, okay. if you've never owned a dog, and I start saying, "Hey, Jeff, you know this? It's like when you own a dog, and there's a lightning storm." You're going to look at me like, yeah. I have no clue. <laughs> like, I don't get it. And I like, exactly okay, well, they, yeah. they freak out. They're yeah. like, oh, okay. Well, I get the freak out thing. I don't, get the, I don't get the other analogy. So it's definitely for some people, and it's definitely not for a lot more. 
Okay. No, I, I like that. And you made me think of something. Whenever I am, my wife and I have uh, shared out uh, dishwashing. Okay. <laughs> and I'm getting to a point. Yeah, I'm getting to a point. Um, and so I wash and, and then stick them in the other side of the sink. And then whenever the hell she wants to, she comes and rinses them and puts them in the, 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 the we use the dishwasher as the, as the drying rack. Okay. And she is really, really good at organizing stuff in the, in the, in the drying rack. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking she's got to be way better at Tetris than I am. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's got a strategy for every little piece Every dish, you know, these things that are flat, they go along yes. the sides, you know, and this big thing, it goes in the corner because it's the particular shape. And I'm like, wow. And I've always, I always stunk at Tetris, but that was, that was, I think of that every time I do dishes. I'm like, oh, I'm going to let Tetris woman do the, the, the rest. So there's, there's actually a takeaway there. Uh, the takeaway is to all the ladies out there. If you want to know whether or not this guy is marriage material, sit him down, let him play Tetris. And if he can't put pieces together, he's probably not going to handle the, the dish rack when it comes to drying. So just be warned early on. Make him wash. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. So, okay. You've also got on your resume here, organizational development practitioner. And yes. that kind of makes me think about um, what I, when I was in the Air Force, um, just because those two words went together. So okay. what is an organizational development practitioner? What, is, what yeah. do you do in that job? That, that is the, um, it, you know, okay, so think about human resources as a function. Right. Or as, okay. you know, old, back in the dinosaur age, we called it personnel. Sure, sure. Uh, their, their function, a lot of people right away, they start thinking about, uh, well, I'll let you answer that. What do you think of when you think of human resources? Uh, the people that pay you and fire you. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's one of the things that comes up, right? Right. It's employee relations. If you get into trouble, you know, you don't want to go to HR. Right. Uh, Okay. You know, maybe they'll do some counseling. Uh, Maybe they'll be involved with the hiring process or they'll do do paperwork, right? Right. They do your benefits, right? Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, most people's initial concept of, of HR, not everyone's, not everyone's, but a lot of people view HR as kind of like the, the dark side. Okay. All right. Um, it's a necessary evil, and you hope that you're not summoned. Uh, and, I, and I like <laughs> okay. to think right. of uh, organizational development within the same discipline, but I, I like to, you know, not completely egotistically, but slightly, uh, think of it as the light side. <laughs> and, and let me right. tell about where I'm going with this because sure. there's balance. So organizational development, uh, in a technical sense, it's behavior science applied to workplace principles. Um, that means very little without any further information. Right, right. Keep uh, going. <laughs> so when you think about the fun things that happen within an organization that protect culture, when you think about the activities that occur, when you think about a lot of the work that typically, let's say, traditional, quote, consultants do, where they come in and they say, okay, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and we're going to help you figure out how do we solve your biggest challenges. And when I say we, I really mean that I'm just going to ask you questions until you figure out you already know what you need to know. I'm going to give you a pat on the back and say, okay, so what's your plan to do it? 
I'm going to let you build a plan, and if your plan gets out of line, I'm going to say, okay, well, have you thought of this? Or have you looked at it this way? Or is there anyone else in this organization who is solving this problem that you could partner with? Mm-hmm. And, and so my idea is to go in and, and help people work through some of their challenges and be more effective in what they do. Okay. And, and so I don't have to fire people. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. But, that's good. But if right. someone is at, at risk, I do get to sit down and say, okay, how are we going to get you back on track? How are we going to help you out? And help oh, you be successful nice. so that this doesn't happen again. That's why I say it's like kind of like the light side. Right, uh, right. You're preventative medicine. Yeah, yeah. We're prescriptive in some case. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> in some case, it's like, okay, rough track. Let's get you back. Right, right, right. Okay. So, so I do a little bit of that. And then, you know, even amongst the practice of organizational development, there's a lot of debate. Some people think it's theory. Some people see it as application. Some people see it as enterprise. Some people see it as personal. Uh, but it really boils down to the, the systems, the people, and the process of work and how we can help those be more effective. Okay. Yeah, I remember um, the organizational development branchy thing that in the Air Force is they were really big on building task lists. Okay. Um, that related to positions. You know, mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, okay, so you sit here, this is your job, this is your job title. And, um, we're going to, we're going to figure out what you do and, you know, is that, is that right for you? And are you the right person in the, in the right Air Force specialty for doing that? Something like that. That was my general take on what that was when I was in the military. So it sounds similar, right? It's absolutely You're, part of it. That's, that's like the, the thing analytical is that, part. Yeah. I mean, it's so big because right, it can right. encompass the, the people piece. It can encompass personality assessments. Mm-hmm. It can encompass, lot, you know, are right. you the right fit for your job? Sure. It can encompass, do we have our job description set up right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do we have the right people doing the right things? And is the job right? Mm-hmm. Or is the person right? So it can really it can look at both sides of it. Um, I also do a lot of training and development, you know, leadership development training programs, and and I assemble those and do needs assessments and conduct uh, organizational surveys and yeah, say, like you know, what job. are I, well, it, there's no shortage of things to do, right? Right, right. And I bet you you get to like talk in front of people and use like uh, one of those uh, butcher block paper things with lots of different colored pens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, that's my friend and I had a joke. I, I was actually speaking um, at the organizational development network here in South Florida to some other OD practitioners, and I was talking about how video game culture has impacted the workplace. And uh, some of the guys were helping me clean up uh, some some stuff that I brought with me, and they went out with me to my car, and we opened my trunk, and we all had a really good laugh because you you can know. Uh, the trunk of a either a training and development or an you know, organizational development practitioner because there will be that giant flip chart of paper in their trunk. Right, right. right. <laughs> and there it was. They open it up and there's a flip chart. You know, and everyone laughs. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, because you got to have a, a sheet of paper for, you know, okay, first we're going to go through these, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And every round has to have its own color. Okay, now I have an idea of what you do. Okay, there gotcha. Go. Okay. All right. So it also says here that you did a TEDx. Uh, you're a TEDx speaker. So that's yes. kind of exciting. And I have to go look up some of those because they're always fun. So uh, did you talk a little bit about, you know, what games can teach teach us about life and, and, on your TED Talk? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, uh, the title of it was um, How Video Games Empower Real World Success. That's great. And um, this is where I can actually jump into a story, tell you a little bit about 
how things were going. Um, would you like me to lay out some groundwork? Because yes, it, there's actually stories it's, it's a really interesting path is, how it got there. This is this is all of, this shows all about the story. So please yeah. do, yeah. Okay, so I'm actually going to tell you a story before I tell you a story. I love that. That's and the best. this is. <laughs> well, this is this is I'm um, gonna get, get a bit like tea? inception. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, I'm ready. So let's take things way way back. Um, I'm gonna take you back a couple of years here, and I had settled into my career uh, within organizational development. Uh, I was doing my day job, uh, you know, my regular eight to six because you know no one really works nine to five. Sure. And um, uh, you know, it was great. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I loved a lot about what I was doing, but I had all these other hobbies and I started feeling this pull to do something more. And, uh, I encountered this thing called a podcast. Okay. And, uh, initially it was, uh, Michael Hyatt's, this is your life. And he had a podcast on, on personal development. And, um, I remember struggling in my career looking for a mentor and I had this crazy idea that I could find this one person who would tell me everything I need to know about the work that I do. And uh, eventually I would take over their job. And I just found that that wasn't true. Right. That, that person did not exist. I did not find that Master Yoda out there. It, it didn't happen for me. Um, He's been taken. And I got, yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, but it, it got kind of disappointing for me uh, because I kept looking and there were a couple people I had asked. And I said, can I meet with you? And we grabbed coffee. And, and then it just, they just got busy. And I was like scratching my head, like, so what am I going to do? I've got no mentor. And, um, and so I started picking up books. I started reading and I realized that's a great way to find a mentor, um, is reading, uh, mm, the book totally. acts as a mentor. I mean, these are people who have taken the time to put down their biggest thoughts, their greatest ideas on paper, and you can pick it up anytime you want, uh, regardless of their availability, it, it doesn't matter. It's there when you need it. Right. And, and this is their best thinking condensed down into a, a small space. And so you can get the very best of the best minds out there for just dirt cheap. I mean, you know, my, right. my wife went back to school. She's going to be a nurse practitioner. And, um, I look at school textbooks and it's like $150 for this textbook. Uh, and I'm like, so you bought a textbook like this last semester uh, do you remember anything from that? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you know. Um, no. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I got an A in the class. Right, so right. What you are know, you I buying the there? Right. Yes, exactly. And and that book, of course, sold for at least $7 when we went to sell it back in. Uh, at least. Uh, yeah, at least $7. And and so I think like these crazy textbooks are so much and we, we get so little out of them oftentimes. And meanwhile, you have these fantastic books in the business section, the personal development or self-help, whatever they call it, uh, or even let's just say nonfiction. You can learn so much from that. You can learn oh, a lot yeah. from fiction too. But in the nonfiction area, you can pick up a book for a couple dollars. If you get them used, you can go on Amazon. You can get them new, even if you pay full price, $20, $30 for a new book. Right. If you take one idea out of that book and it changes your life, you apply it, I mean, you, Thirty dollars. That's that's, that's going out to dinner with you know <laughs> a conservative meal, <laughs> right, uh, right? You know, you and you and a date go out to dinner, and that's you're you're gone through thirty bucks fast. Oh yeah, um, that this, might be McDonald's, maybe. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. It's cheap. And 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 so I started realizing that I could crowdsource my mentors, and that was the first thing there. I said I got to stop and think about this because um, I can now read books instead of worrying about this one person. And I can read the best time management tri tricks from expert time management 
leaders. Uh, but then I can go read about working with people individually from a master in communication. Because the limit with a, a real live mentor is chances are they're good at some things, but they're not going to be good at everything. And if you learn to do things the way they do, you might be picking up some of their bad habits. That's true. Uh, so this gives you the ability to get the best of all worlds and for a fraction of the price and just it requires an investment of, of time and a little work. And it's right. just, it, that was a big breakthrough for me. That was a big shift. Uh, instead of chasing after wondering, when am I going to find a mentor? When's someone going to notice me and, you know, help me get promoted? You know, it turned into, let me do this myself. Right. And that was so empowering. Uh, it became addicting. Uh, two years ago, I actually read uh, 56 books in one year. Wow. Uh, that was one of my goals. And it literally was just picking up maybe two books. A, a, it was, on, it was like one, a little more than one a week. Um, and, and it was a labor of love. And I got so much out of it. Um, so I encourage you don't have to start big. You can just start small. If you get through one book a year, you're doing better than the national average for college <laughs> graduates, you know? Right. Uh, sad right. to say. Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. Right. So, so that was one breakthrough that happened for me that, that shifted the courses. You just and then started that, really getting into like nonfiction in general. Yeah. I mean, cause I've okay. been reading a lot of fiction up to that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, a lot of science fiction, a lot of fantasy type stuff. And I enjoyed it. I always enjoyed reading, uh, but for me, this was a big shift. Like, wait, I'm going to read a business book on Saturday. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'm off the clock. Like what? What? Right. That doesn't sound like and, a beer related activity to me. Right. No, but <laughs> That's but okay. I started finding way, finding ways to apply this in my own life. And it, it, it started taking off and I said, this is, this is pretty, this is pretty good. And so then that led me to the next step, which, uh, was podcast. Or for some people, it's audiobooks. Um, and that was a big deal for me because now here's here's a mentor that's speaking to me on a regular basis. Like I can get up every week and listen to someone give me advice or thoughts or or uh, what's ever in their mind and, and take this whole, you know, personal development thing to the next level. Right. You oh, know, yeah. and, and you can get really neurotic and you can play it at one and a half times speed and, <laughs> <laughs> you know, get through it even quicker. You know, I, I actually hit a wall on that because I was binging on so many podcasts like yeah. from the pure um, because if I I would probably say if I had a choice, I'd rather do a podcast than a book. I do a lot of Kindle books. Um, okay. on the personal development nonfiction side. Um, mm -hmm. but I did, I, I'm on now I've been vacationing from, from personal development style podcasts just because I think I, I OD'd, <laughs> oh. but I know what you mean because there's just to do. so much out there and, yeah. and every episode you could just go, well, I have to reorder my entire life now. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, wait until no, exactly. the next episode, you know? Yeah. Right. So that that was a big breakthrough for me though, um because it just exposed me to a different world and it exposed me to a different thought process. And so up to this point I had just been um what I'll call a consumer. Sure. Uh I, I bought a lot of books, read a lot of things, uh listened to a lot of podcasts, and then I met a friend of mine his name is uh Jared Easley. Oh, I know and Jared. Yeah, everyone knows Jared. Everyone knows uh, Jared. So Jared and I met um, because we both uh, looked for a back door to get into a conference. Um, Michael Hyatt, who I mentioned earlier, his podcast was was influential for me. Uh, he was speaking down here in South Florida, uh, where I live, 
And um, it was at a closed to the public conference for, uh, I think it was uh, information technology or it might have been financial technology company. Uh, but I saw it posted somewhere. And so I, I reached out to the event organizer and I said, hey, so I was curious, can I just show up for one session? And uh, they said, you know what? Yeah. Um, so we agreed to a, a small fee uh, that I paid just to attend that session. Uh, and then they let me know. They said, hey, you know, it's funny. Someone else doing the same exact thing. Uh, they approached us for the same speaker. And so, okay, that's interesting. Uh, got there to the event. I, I didn't fit in. I wasn't in there wearing, you know, financial CEO clothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so I grabbed a chair and um, was originally going to sit in the back of the room. And I thought, you know what? Forget that. I'm going to go up front. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, I'm, I'm here to see Michael Hyatt. And, and so uh, as I do this, I ran across this other guy who didn't look like he fit in. He walked up to me and goes, hey, you're the other guy. And I said, other guy. <laughs> <laughs> this got weird. Um, yeah, right. Goes, yeah, yeah. They told me another guy uh, had approached him about coming to see Michael Hyatt, and I said, "Yeah, yeah." So that, and that was Jared Easley, uh, who he's you know the the host of uh, Star of the Doubts podcast, and he's also you know one of the co-founders of the podcast movement, which right. is just an awesome awesome conference. Um, he's been on my so, show. Wow, well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's round. Yeah, he's a good guy. He is, he yeah. is. So he and I hit it off and just uh, were kindred spirits and uh, really kind of got the kick in the pants to say, okay, you know what? It's time to step into the ring. Uh, it's time to, to have a go with this and see if I can take some of what I'm learning and share and teach and help others. Because really, that's that's what's always been the driver for me is, is how can I help other people succeed? That's important to me. Okay. And so I started off doing the whole blog. You know, everyone's got a blog. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, they, they're just handed out left and right now when you open up a, an account for online access. And, um, and I started doing that, you know, I started doing the book review, you know, a new book would come out and like, uh, 5 million other blogs would all do their own little 800 word review of the book. And, sure. you know, then they'd give away the copy they read and you know, right. it just, it started <laughs> right. feeling very mechanic. I'm like, so that's what, a good what way to get I free doing? books, but that's about it. Is. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, what am, what am I doing? What value am I adding? How am I setting myself apart? Um, You're helping someone doing... sell a book a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, but it, it looked just like everyone else's. <laughs> of course. It, it really did. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so I had this moment where I sat down at, at my kitchen table and I said, so, so what am I doing with my life? I've got my day job. I'm getting up early and, and writing a blog. I don't know that that many people are reading it. It's a lot of the same stuff that's already out there. Like, why am I bothering with this? What, what's unique? What do I have to offer? And so I started looking through the different hobbies that I had. And, and I like cars. I was a bit of an enthusiast for cars. I said, okay, uh, that's, that's one route. Um, I looked at the personal development. I looked at the, the growth there. Uh, and, and then I said, well, you know, I've got this one hobby uh, that I've had for a little over 30 years now. And that's playing video games. Right. I said, well, but I'm not, I'm not competitive uh, in video games. I'm not, you know, out there making tens of thousands of dollars. You know, I'm playing the latest games. I, I don't have a whole lot of time. Um, but what if that coincided with leadership? What if that coincided with personal development? Um, crazy idea, right? <laughs> it is uh, kind of a crazy idea until you get into it. <laughs> yeah, because that's what we hear. Video games are a waste of time. Sure, they're a hobby. Uh, you know, and that's, that's, that's kind of the kind things like, oh, you're just wasting your time playing this game. And I said, well, but what if it wasn't, what if we were actually learning something? And if we're learning something, what are we learning? And so then, um, I was able to generate about 40 different concepts 
of, of overlap, of stories, of analogies, of similarities. And I said, okay, I got to do this. And uh, that was a little over two years ago that I said, okay, let's, let's, let's take this new direction. And uh, in my first month, I had more traffic than the entire year I was doing the other blog. Wow. Uh, oh, and, yeah. and most of it were people who were just gamers who were saying, wait, hold on. You're going to use video games to teach me something? This is, this is cool. Okay, what do right. you got? Because it's fun. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and that's and that's been my intent. Ultimately, this is to make personal development for those who aren't into personal development. Oh, that's the best, right? You know, it's sure. it's it's a gate. I'm, I'm a gateway drug. <laughs> so <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna think you're reading about video games, and next thing you're gonna know, you're gonna be spending Saturdays reading how to win friends and influence people. Yeah, so. <laughs> that's a great book. Yeah, <laughs> that's the best. That what a great idea. You know, um. So let's talk a little bit about some of your favorite games and, and uh, were, what games did you use in the book specifically? And okay. yeah, uh, just to see if there's any crossover, you know, things that you learned from games that you sure. directly applied in the, in the book and or in anything else that you did on the website and the podcast, whatever you've learned, it doesn't matter. It doesn't right. have to be in the book, you know. And I still want to make sure I deliver on how we get to TEDx. Yeah. Oh, definitely. We'll, we'll get there. Okay. Oh, you're still so, working your way there. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm slowly but surely no, no, no. creeping cool, my cool. way there. Keep going. Um, Sorry, so I didn't mean to one interrupt. Of the, Please. Well, no, one of the early wins happened early on. Um, I wrote this post about um, managing your email inbox like you would play Tetris. And uh, we already mentioned Tetris briefly, and Tetris is a good example because a lot of people are familiar with it. It's sold millions of copies. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, even if you hate it, you've probably played it. Yeah, you've you've seen it. It's oh, that's that that block game. Right. Uh, it's up there with you know Pac Man in terms of of recognition level, and um, so you're dropping your blocks, right? And one of the things about it is you you're only looking at one block at a time. And I started thinking about well, how do I manage my day? I try to do like three things at once. Like that's crazy. Right. Like, imagine playing a game of Tetris. Imagine playing four games of Tetris on four TVs at the same time. Yeah, forget Like, it. are you going to win? No. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to lose basically on three of them, and then you're going to be left with one. Mm. And then you're going to focus on that one. Mm -hmm. And then you can handle one block at a time. And you twist it, you turn it, and you drop it. And then you face the next task. But, but so many times we do the opposite in our, in our work or in our personal lives, and we try to do everything at once, and we, we don't make progress, and we wonder why things get dropped and, and why they don't work. And, and so I worked around that idea, um, and it just so happened that one of the editors over at uh, Lifehacker, uh, the website, uh, saw it and cited it, mentioned my article in, in one of his, and, and kind of summarized it. And uh, my website like blew up. It just lit up like wildfire from that. I said, huh, there's something here. Right, right. You've got a nice crossover idea. Yeah, so then it just became more about exploring how do I look for these patterns in the games that I know and love, uh, you know, because I'm not looking for educational games. I, I'm not going to talk about how, um, I mean, there are others who will do this, but I'm not going to talk about how civilization teaches you about history or culture or, or the growth of civilizations. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Carmen Sandiego and, and geography uh, or, or Math <laughs> right. Blaster or right. Reader Rabbit. It's or, all, that, uh, that's all a, a bit on the nose, right? 
Yeah, it, yeah. That, that's and not it's my not interest. fun either. Yeah, All right. Well, and that's that's kind of my my critique of it is it it stops being a good game. It stops being uh, a good educational experience. It really ends up doing neither of those things well. Um, and, and as a result, I said, no, I want to talk about familiar games, and I want to look for the parallels and. And, and, and what belongs there and, and how do we learn from those. And so that's that's where I ended up going with it. And so I've continued to just go through all the, the, the big series. And I, I know there's a lot left, but I mean, I talk about everything from Resident Evil to, uh, you know, I mentioned Space Quest to Mega Man to the Final Fantasy series to Mortal Kombat to um, World of Warcraft and Doom and Halo uh, you know, Bubble Bobble, Prince of Persia. I mean, I could just go on. It's like right, right, right. hundreds of games I mention. Um, and, and they're all ones that I've played that I enjoyed. And I said, let's have some fun with this. Mm-hmm. You know, Space Invaders teaches you how to overcome fear, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and uh, be, re- be relentless. <laughs> right. Uh, right, right. You know, Ga- Galaga teaches you how to take risks and let your fighter jet get captured with the hope of gaining it back and doubling your firepower. And that's how you can be awesome. You know, <laughs> so th- these are, these are, and then I dig in a lot more, but mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It's, it kind of started out as a joke and ended up being a little deeper and a little more profound. Mm, definitely. Uh, so after doing this for a little while, um, I, I always had on my bucket list to do a TED Talk. Okay. Uh, I always had on my bucket list to write a book. I thought that would be something that happened approximately 20 or 30 years from now. Okay. <laughs> after I, you know, did right. my career, developed some stories, had some wisdom, had gray hair all over my head or no hair, uh, and and was able then to just go around and talk and, you know, be this retired guy who's so smart and that mentor guy that I thought I needed. Well, um, as I began doing these these blog posts, I saw this opportunity come up. Um, to do a podcast, which I started, uh, and then this opportunity to do a local TEDx event. And they did a call for speakers. And so I submitted a proposal, uh, and then I, I heard, a, uh, we have too many recipients. We're, we're not able to, to consider you this year. Thank you, though. And when I received that, I said, okay, let me take a deep breath because, um, you know, I'm going to go ahead and write a TED Talk anyways. Yeah, because I want to be ready for the next time I'm going to do it. So I I sat down and I scoped out what my talk would be, even though I didn't get it. Right, good idea. Uh, I then said, "Yeah, I I well, thank you." Because it's hard. (laughs) It's hard to get 18 minutes in. I mean, I talk way too much usually. So uh, yeah, squeezing down complex ideas in a short amount of time is difficult. So you might as well plan ahead, right? Yeah, so I said, you know what, what if I was doing one, what would I do? And, and so I, I scoped that out, sketched it out, uh, took some notes, set it aside, and said, well, if I'm not doing the TED Talk, then let's write a book. Okay. <laughs> so this was, in, <laughs> this was in October, the end of October. Uh, I committed by the end of December. I said, by, by the end of that year, I wanted to have the book written, first draft. Okay. Wow. Uh, so, you know, took a couple days off from work, got up early, apologized to my wife and son, said, I'm not leaving you. <laughs> it's just a book, I swear. Um, right, right. And and so I just went after it and did a lot of edits, did a lot of, you know, back and forth. I was really uncertain about it, but then then landed on, you know, the concept that you you see today and I had that first draft completed on December 28th of uh, of 2013. So I, I met my goal with 2 days to spare, 3 cool. days technically. Um and then went through the process of of, you know, getting the cover together and all the other things you have to do is self-published through Amazon and launched that in March uh, of 2015. Nice. So 
after the book had been submitted to Amazon for publishing, after I had received my first uh, hard copy proof, I got a phone call. And it was the event organizer for TEDx. And they said, hey, uh, something didn't work out with one of our speakers. Would you be able, are you still interested to give a talk in nine days? <laughs> Gulp. As it turns out. <laughs> yes. Well, right. that was my response. It was, well, funny you mentioned that. <laughs> right. It just so happens that uh, I have an outline for what I would do now. So, Yes. That's great. Hang up the phone and scramble. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I have to actually write started it now. practicing. Now I have to memorize it. Now I got to tweak it. Now I got to you know worry about inflection points and uh, you know really went to work on it um, and was able to get up there and deliver it uh, in front of about an audience of about a little over six hundred people and uh, got a great video of that. That's out on on YouTube on the official TEDx channel and it's entitled you know how video games empower real world success. That's amazing. Was it was it a blast? Was it a total adrenaline rush? Oh, I, I loved it. As soon as I was done, yeah. I was actually disappointed. Right. Like, wait, wait, it's over? Like, and it no went so quick. Right. There's no more like, I want to go up and do it again, you know? Yeah, right. Okay, <laughs> like how about a Q&A? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so the really interesting fact of all this is if I had not been turned down, if I had not received that, we, we can't fit you in this year notice, I never would have finished my book. Right. What's further interesting about that is the things I wrote in my book ended up in the talk itself. Oh, yeah. And I was so, going to say that, that the writing yeah. of the book served to more or less like sort of organize all of your thoughts for you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, right. And so sometimes things happen and we don't understand the order. We don't understand why they're happening. And... Uh, we can get hung up on why things are rough. You know, let, let's use your analogy. We can get hung up on why all of a sudden we're hitting a traffic jam, right, mm-hmm. on, on the highway. Uh, why is there an accident blocking our path? Why is the exit I wanted to get off on under construction? Right. Why did I get a flat tire? Uh, why did I blow my head gasket? You know, in, in the very <laughs> sure. various degrees, uh, which, you know, I've blown a head gasket. So, true story. I've never blown a head gasket. <laughs> Good for you. That's challenging. Yeah, I, I guess so. Well, <laughs> it, was, it was a Toyota Supra, so. Oh, uh, okay. There's a, there's a story to it. Yeah. But that being said, these things happen. And the, the big question is, so what are we going to do with it now? Here we are. Here's the fact of it. And so what I said is, instead of getting down about not getting the talk and giving up, I said, okay, well, time to press forward next. And uh, next on the list was writing a book. And it ended up being a great advantage because I know for a fact that uh, my talk was far better for having written the book first. Yeah, and and I can tell that you were like, okay, that's all right. You know, instead of thinking, oh, I'm a piece of crap and getting depressed and, you know, having a beer or whatever, maybe maybe you felt a little down, but then you said, no, you know what? They didn't say, no, you suck. They said, no, we're full. Um, and, and it was like, I'm going to get ready just in case, or I'm going to get ready, you know, for down the road was kind of like your response. Well, and so let's tie this back into how I roll here is that (laughs) that's something we learned from video games. Oh, totally. Um, what it is, is it's the element of hope, right? So in a video game, if you face a challenge, if you're facing an enemy, if you find a locked door, 
you know that there's an answer. You know there's a solution. You know you can overcome, get around this this obstacle. If the door's locked, you know somewhere you're going to find a key or you're going to find a way to get through it. Right. And in the back of your head, you know that something about that door is meaningful. It's locked because there's probably something good behind there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even if there's not, that's the pathway. It's got to be. And, and so in games, we see obstacles as an indication that we're going the right way. Right, right. In, in real life, we see obstacles of, oh, man, this is getting tough. Maybe I need to turn back. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should quit. And, yeah, maybe I'll just quit. You know, right. uh, I'll just watch. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where that that game mindset can really help out. Say, okay, well, if this was a game... I bet you something really good is there. Let me go after that. Or maybe that option is no longer available to me, like the talk. Well, what's next? What's my next target of opportunity? What can I go after that would be interesting and and pursue that? Yeah. And and so that's where that persistence comes in. That's where that problem solving comes in. That's where that that sense of what I like to call hope, that Mm. hope that that if I stick with this, something good's going to come out of it. I wanted to talk about uh, now. Our, our, so I like the your, your your story. I think we're finished and how you got to your TED talk. Now I yeah. want to talk I like a lot about games. Um, so my buddy and I played Portal Two co-op. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I I could I think I could really geek out on this for a while, but I want to hit a couple <laughs> of points. Okay, please. So are you you did did you play the co-op? Or... I have not spent a lot of time with co-op on Portal 2, no. Okay. All right. So, but you're familiar with the game. It's like a 3D yes. puzzle solving situation. So... Just don't spoil that the cake is a lie. <laughs> what the? And it's a great... I just did. Never mind. It's, it's a great song, right? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. Continue. Okay. So, um, I played that with a buddy who was, uh, you know, cross country and we were playing it. Um, I think we played a little bit on Xbox and a little bit on PC. Doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, it taught us both, um, things that we already kind of knew about, Mm -hmm. uh, about, about each other and ourselves. Um, so first off you, you know, in portal and portal two that, Death doesn't really even have a, any sort of consequence other than you have to go back a little bit, right? Yeah. You lose a minor amount of progress. In it's the, inconvenient. Yeah, it's minorly inconvenient, right? So, and, and I had been playing Portal and Portal 2 single player um, for a while, and it was my buddy's first time. So my general uh, sort of like strategy going into any puzzle was just to start flinging myself around <laughs> you know <laughs> and and learning where things went you know mm-hmm. and not caring if i died right mm-hmm. just being totally reckless and knowing that there's nothing to lose right, right? and the co-op is is even better because there's these vast gigantic puzzle arenas basically as each map Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, there's save points and progress points, but once you're in an area, more or less, if you die in that area, you respawn right where you were, you're not losing anything. So that's, that was my strategy. Just fling myself. Right. And what I really brought to the table more than, uh, my buddy was I had experience executing, you know, with the pad, you know, mm-hmm. whatever strategy he came up with. Now, he was really good at being analytical and coming up with um, different strategies to solve the puzzle. Okay. So he would just sit there and not die and not look at, he would be, he was afraid to die. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> 
And, you know, and he's kind of uh, that way in real life. You know, he's kind of like tentative, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, slow, analytical. So he's actually figuring out some of the harder puzzles. And then and then we're kind of like collaborating on how to execute his plans. Um, And we made uh, we made a really great team, you know, Mm -hmm. because both of our strengths and weaknesses helped if that makes any sense yeah yeah so so Absolutely. what was what was your experience playing portal and portal 2 i mean did you did you enjoy it oh absolutely i mean I, i'm a big fan of uh anything that lets you think about things in a different way um i i've yet to really sit down and look for uh content or analogy or story from that for me that was kind of like uh let me just unplug my mind because oh, yeah 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 because yeah. because i know even just even just the concept of physics, um, you know, while it's not perfect, um, you can you can learn a lot there, oh, and yeah. it, it's a lot safer chucking stuff around. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you're chucking that, you around, yeah, right? In that instance, <laughs> yeah. right? A lot of As times. opposed to like Half Life Two, where you're just using the gravity gun, throwing things. Now with Portal, you're flipping yourself from one place to the next. Right, right. Um, it, it still gives you some interesting concepts and things to think about in terms of, you know, approach. And I think you made a really good point. So we bring who we are to how we problem solve. Right. And whether it's experimental, whether it's cautious, whether it's deliberate, uh, whether it's incremental, um, you know, that that shows up. And so in many ways, we can learn a lot about ourselves mm-hmm. in that type of a context and and take that back to the real world and the real problems we face and say, okay, so so how can I leverage that? How can I make the most of it? Or maybe I need to be a little different. Maybe I need to change this a bit and, and try something new uh, that that I might not be so ready to try normally. So right, right. I, I, that's where I think that you can even if you're looking for it, you'll see it. Well, the the thing is, is uh, I, I I think your talent, uh, I, if you've got one, or maybe it's just an interest, is um, is looking for those. Those um, sort of like a dissection or, you know, just a breakdown of, okay, what's happening in this game? What skills are you bringing into the game? And what are, what lessons are you taking out of each each game? You know, and each game is probably different. You know, I know you liked Half-Life 2. Now, mm-hmm. did you play the whole series? Did you play Half-Life, Half-Life 2, and the, the sequels and all those as well? Uh, I, I did. I also played, um, was it Blue Shift? Yeah, I played Blue Shift. Uh, there's yep. Blue Shift. There was... All the Valve um, games the are other, the best. Yeah. yeah. There was the other add-on pack. Um, I can't I'm going remember. blank on it. It had yeah. a green cover, and you played as the, um, was it Opposing Force? Maybe. I might be pulling something yeah, yeah, in Yeah, maybe, yeah. He was opposing force. Yeah, um, where you play yeah. a soldier guy. Right, yeah. right. And that was And then, of the course, there was engine. Counter-Strike that was, right, was pulled right. off. But, yeah, there's the original, and then Half-Life 2, and then the various episodes of it. Uh, you know, one thing that blew my mind, there was a tech demo that they had for that. There was that one coast, yes, uh, yes, little island. And coast. they had, yeah, they had the developer commentary built into the game. So, Which like, as you went amazing. through the game, right. you'd have this, like, point where you could do, like, a DVD where you'd say, oh, turn on commentary, and you hear him talking about it as you're looking around at it. It's just, yeah. that blew my mind. So yeah, I, I've, I've played through uh, all the available <laughs> Half-Life games. <laughs> yes, the vaporware of Episode 3 and or Half-Life right. 3 will never right. be, unfortunately. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about, I think, um, Valve games beginning at Half-Life, mm-hmm. and then definitely in Portal, 
And to a lesser degree in uh, Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, they did an amazing job of very subtly teaching you how to right. how to solve this room, how to solve this. Each scenario you got to, they build your skills in, in the game because some of that stuff is really tricky. Like right. the um, there was that one point where the game has to teach you how to uh what was it it was the um when the ant lions start attacking you <laughs> oh, oh my god and you and, and your job is every time an ant lion shows up he's coming they're they're pouring out of this hole from wherever in the universe right but until you put a car on top of that hole <laughs> right. those ant lions are going to keep uh, coming out so the game had to teach you how to tip over a car with your gravity gun <laughs> and uh, put it over that hole but it did it so well, you didn't even yeah. know you were learning. You were just like, right. what can I do? What can I do? <laughs> yeah. Man, now you're bringing back, <laughs> you're right. taking now- me back to a dark place. Those are <laughs> crazy dune buggy going around with that. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. And that's- So no, absolutely. And that's good game design. You know what that speaks a lot about is the quality of people at Valve. Right. And right. Here, here's what I know is in their in their heyday back then as well, um, I actually got a hold of, uh, and I think it's available publicly, um, an employee manual from oh, wow. Valve. Wow. And, and it goes over their perks. They, I mean, it's a cool place. You look there and you're like, hey, I want to work there. I don't even know programming and this is a right. cool And I really cool want to work there, right. Uh, but one of the things they had that stood out to me is they said very clearly, with no uncertain terms, one of your very most, your the absolute most important job that you have here as an employee is hiring. So they, they bring in peers for peer interviews. So when a new member's coming onto the team, your coworkers interview you before you even join. And, and they said this is by far your number one priority, is that you need to get in there. Whatever's going on, it can wait. You need to focus on the interview process wow. when we're interviewing. And, and every, anyone can like hit the pause button on an interview and say I, I, they're not a fit. Wow. Um, right. and, and so they emphasize that so much in the handbook about how that was so key. And, and I think that goes very far for creating, uh, you know, product integrity for workplace integrity. I mean, sure, you get it wrong. Any job, you're going to get it wrong. There's going to be f- people that aren't a fit. But if you've ever been on a team where everyone gets it, or, or the vast majority right, do, right, I mean, yeah. it's magic. Yeah, sure. And, and so it's really neat to see that that's the type of byproduct you get in terms of a quality game is mm. a result of a quality team. It's hard though because I really, you know, every other game pales in comparison to a really really good Valve game in my mind. I mean, mm. I've never come across a more immersive, well-done sort of game um scenario than any any get Valve game. Now, you know, probably Half-Life 2 was like their peak you know, of, sure. of putting it all together and making it so awesome, especially when um, I, I guess it was Half-Life 2 episode one when they when the girl started basically hanging out with you. Right. And then when she was gone, you'd miss her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is a fictional character hanging out with you. But she fought side by side. She was your sidekick. Yeah. And, and she was tougher than you, too. so many times i'd send around the corner like you go draw fire (laughs) you got this i'll I'll watch there you go there you go that's awesome so 
All right, this has been this has been a blast. Um, what 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 did we leave off? Did uh, oh, we should talk a little bit about what you talk about on your podcast. Okay, um, what's it called? It's called the Classically Trained Podcast. Oh, duh! I knew you're. I knew you are at classicallytrained.net. Yes. That I had got, but I, I for some reason I brain farted on the uh, the name of the podcast. Okay, uh-huh. so classically trained podcast. That's awesome. Yes. So you talk about, I guess, lessons you can learn from video games. Right, and uh, I actually have started doing a lot of interviews uh, awesome. on that podcast. There there are some content episodes, but um, I do a lot of interviews, and I've got a couple different types of people that I interview. Okay, I, I like to interview. Uh, people who are in the leadership or personal development side, business side, mm-hmm. who happen to be gamers. Uh, so those who that are works. in that space would know um, Simon Sinek mm-hmm. is a good example. Yeah, he's He wrote awesome. uh, uh, Leaders Eat Last, uh, Start With Why. Well, guess what? He's a gamer. <laughs> and um, I loved his TED so, Talk. It was an yeah, amazing I mean, TED Talk. Well, yeah. You and twenty-four million other people. Right, I mean, right, the, the guys, right. the guys on He's point. A so, yeah. so I had a chance to interview him and ask him about, you know, well, what have you learned from video games, uh, and and talk about how that ports over. And he'd spoken at Nintendo headquarters, so I asked him about his experiences there. So we we talked about video games in a way that no one else would. No one else is going to say, oh, Simon Sinek's on the show. Let's talk video games. Right, right, right. So so I got that angle. And then the other angle is I go to individuals who are in the video game industry. Um, I I don't know if, and I know you're more of a PC than a console gamer. Do you know um, David Hayter? It's from Metal Gear Solid. Is he one of the voice actors or is he a developer? He's the voice actor for uh, Solid Snake. Okay. Uh, So I had a chance to, and he also wrote uh, screenplay for the X-Men movie. Oh, wow. So he does a lot of other stuff. Um, So, you know, I had a chance to talk to him. I've spoken with uh, the head of human resources for Insomniac Games. Uh, I've spoken with other podcasters like uh, Danny Pena from Gamer Tag Radio. Um, Another one that stood out in my mind is really interesting. There's a a group that takes video games uh, and combines them with music. So you go to their concert and you download an app and you're playing a video game that synchronizes with their music. And it's displayed on a screen behind the band. Whoa! Uh, they're called Seven Bit Hero, and they're from Australia. Oh, that and, sounds like a blast. Uh, <laughs> they're just oh, it's so cool. So they 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 are gonna blow up, but they uh, they're getting started. So you know, I look to authors, and uh, there's even another last one here is um, Dr. James Rosser. He is a world-renowned surgeon uh, who's one of you know the foremost experts in robotic surgery. Well, come to find out, he, he did research that showed surgeons who used video games to warm up before surgery in a certain type of surgery were significantly faster and had significantly less errors than those who did not play video games. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, and so totally. he actually has a video game warm-up room in his hospital that before surgery, you go play six minutes of Super Monkey Ball. Wow. You know? yeah, right, right. And uh, then you go do surgery, you know, uh, and the guy's just genius when it comes to how video games can be used for, for teaching and, and development. So, you know, I've got a ton more I could talk about, but now, it, it a, just I, had some amazing guests on there. I've got an idea. There's a, a lady out there. She was on, she did her own TED talk. Um, she got over depression using games. You're familiar with this, this woman? Jane McGonigal. Yeah, there you yep. go. You're good. <clears throat> she should be on your show. 
Um, but because, uh, I, I agree. Yes. There you go. You should you just ask her. You know, maybe she'll say no. I, I may or may not have. <laughs> well said. I ask a ton of people to. I will neither confirm nor deny that. <laughs> there you so. go. But I just I have love- gotten a no. I'll leave it at that. There you go. Hey, you know, a non-answer is not a no. That's what I say. <laughs> that means I'm going to try again in six months or a year, and maybe I'll be cool enough. <laughs> um, you know what? It's funny. So much. I mean, that's a true lesson. Um, you know, that's one you see in video games, right? Like you're no, trying no. to take on a boss that's too big for you. Well, sometimes you got to go back and and yeah. level up and just do work and build your character before you can take it on. Right. Uh, and other times, it's just the wrong time. Right. Totally. And, and you just have to wait for the right opportunity. Right. Uh, you know, like Frogger, right? <laughs> you don't want to cross the road and the car's barreling down. You got to wait it out. You got to be patient. Man, I actually have, uh, I can't relate it directly to a game, but I can come up with a, a problem that I solved in real life lately, like as of, say, a day or two ago. So right now I'm doing IT work, basically just like real basic computer support uh, at Inglewood School District here in the greater LA area. And um, this computer months ago came up with this really weird thing that I could not fix. The The internet connection, would it, it was there. It would recognize it. You know, the hardware was working. It was even connecting. And then DNS wouldn't work. Right. So I'm like, exactly. Hmm. Never saw that before. So I was like, well, I'll just, I'll just re-image it. Then uh, whatever is wrong with it. I don't care. You know, and it didn't work. Come back from the image. DNS still doesn't work. I'm like, all right, well, maybe there's some low level virus or something on here. So I loaded Linux on it. DNS still didn't work. I was like, okay, it's just broken. (laughs) Right. I basically set the game aside Right. Because I was like, I don't know what to do next. Mm -hmm. So then flash forward, I had been playing games a lot over the holidays, you know, just because that's what you do during the holidays. And, uh, you know, so I think one of my buddy's kids got uh, Black Ops 3 or whatever it is. And and that and and I had picked up a couple of uh, old games. I think I'm playing Max Payne 3 now. Okay, (laughs) Right. Uh, But anyway, just the 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 getting back into the gaming thing when i went back to work after the holidays one of the first things i went to do was just go back and play with those old computers that i had set aside and thought were all trash and on the way right i was just doing things as like i'm going to take everything out i'm going to take all the ram out i'm going to dust them i'm going to you know Get, make them all clean, put everything back in, and see if they work. Because a lot of times that works, right? Um, right? One thing that I did was I took out the CMOS battery and those really old computers. These are desktops. I did uh-huh. that on everything, right? And suddenly, these computers that I thought were completely dead worked again. So <laughs> that's what I said. I was like, there you go. really? <laughs> so in that same thing made that DNS thing just go away. Wow. That's what I said. Huh. Anyway, so there you go. Thank you, games. <laughs> there you go. It was like, you know, it wasn't anything concrete. It was just more of a, you know, you can try again. It's okay. It's just a game. 
Well, and that's that's the power in, in the learning element behind it because how many times in life and work or school or anywhere uh, do we get the answer wrong and someone just says, you know what, I don't have time for this. Throw right. it out. Right. You know, or are you, are you dumb? <laughs> you know, <laughs> you don't know the answer. I thought you were good with computers. Exactly. You know? <laughs> right. And, you know, you have to go through those emotions anyway. But it's that, you know, before you throw them away, put them in the um, later pile. That's what I'd like to do. Sure. Yeah, I now, just isn't it, I need isn't a break it that from much that. more gratifying though that you got through to the other side and you won. You didn't give up. Right. Right. No, I was shocked. You beat it. I I really thought all those computers were garbage. And then and then I was like, "Okay, I'm going to try again." So, it worked awesome. out. Awesome. Yeah, that's what I said. All right, brother. Well, this was a blast. So, uh, everybody out there listening, if you want to check out more of John's work, check out classicallytrained.net. You got a podcast, you got a book. Mastering the game, what video games can teach us about success in life. And uh, I think we've learned that it's quite a bit and it's not just sitting around uh, wasting time. Thank you, John. This has been a blast. Thanks, Jeff. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Thanks for taking the time to ride along with us on another episode of Vroom Vroom Veer. For podcast info and show notes, be sure to head over to vvveer.com. That's triple V double E-R.com. Man, that's fun to say. And we'll catch up with you next time here on Vroom Vroom Veer. <laughs>